um, we sang that song a couple minutes ago, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. And can you imagine living in this world without the Lord? You know, some of us tried it for time and then come back. <laughs> and uh, you, you, you find out how precious it really is to know that the Lord is there when you're going through troubles and trials and situations and, and, uh, and the like. But um, uh, last Sunday at Sunday school, I had asked a question. I said, how many of you watch the news? You know, I think there may have been one person that raised their hand and said, yeah, I listened to it. But there's so much in the news today that it'll almost scare you to death <laughs> if you paid much attention to it and, uh, and so on. But um, over in uh, John chapter uh, 16, verse 33, Jesus here was speaking and said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. We know that he's the one that can give you peace that passes all understanding, even in the midst of turmoil. The last part of that verse says, In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. There's no reason why we have to be all in a tither and all upset and all this kind of stuff. Because today, if you'd watched the news, you would have seen everything going on around this world. And it don't matter what country you're in, there's turmoil going on. Uh, you know, uh, you think, oh, you're talking about wars and different skirmishes and so on, but it's not just that. You know, we got fires going on. They were talking about up in Canada and different places around here, but they got fires going on on the other side of the world too. All these different things are happening, and yet the whole world can't seem to come together and get along. It's this one against this one, and those that you think were your friends and allies before are now kind of wishy-washy and just all sorts of things. But I said all that to say this. Will your faith carry you through? Will your faith carry you through all the turmoil, all the problems, all the situations and everything that we face in this day and age? Will your faith carry you through? Tonight is a text I'm using, uh, Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And this is a story most of you, if you've been in church any length of time, probably know the story. But I want to look at it at a different angle too tonight. Uh, and it's talking about the three Hebrew children, okay? Hananiah, Azariah, Michelle. You say, oh, I thought that was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, that was their Babylonian names, <laughs> okay? But we'll go back and we'll look at that over in Daniel chapter 1 here in just a minute. But there was another man, his name was Daniel, who was with them. And if you know anything about this whole time period, it was not an easy time period. You know, they had just gone into Babylonian captivity. Nebuchadnezzar had come over there and took them all captive and brought them over to Babylon, which is now Iraq. Okay, this was not an easy time. And yet we know that, uh, that Nebuchadnezzar had said, separate me the, the smartest ones, the, the healthiest ones, those that are there. And we see that he picked out Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Michelle, and they came back. And there was one thing that is noteworthy that Daniel stood up. And this is over in chapter 1, and it tells us that Daniel purposed in his heart, no matter what is going on, he could have been mad, he could have been rebellious, he could have been all these things, but he purposed in his heart that he was going to please God. He wouldn't eat the king's meat and those things offered to idols. He wanted to please God. Wow, you're in a total different country. 
Everybody's all hearing an uproar and a tither and all this stuff anyway. And he could have just said, God, why didn't you take care of us? Why did we go back into captivity? Why did we have to go through this? And we know it was because Israel had turned their back on God and they were doing their own little thing and so on. So God put them back into captivity just like he did over in Egypt and so on. Uh, So as we go back through here, we see where Daniel standing up to uh, the, the eunuch that was over them. And he said, listen, I don't want no meat. Just give me the beans and the grain and that kind of stuff, and, and we'll get by. And he said, man, don't you know I could have my neck you know, chopped off here uh, by doing that? And he said, just give me 10 days, 10 days. Can we trust the Lord even for 10 days that he will take care of us no matter what the situation is? Hmm? And then as we get on through here, we see that because of his faithfulness, God was faithful to him. There was a time in the beginning in the second chapter there where all of a sudden Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And I don't know about this man named Nebuchadnezzar. You know, he was something else. He was tough. But at the very same time, uh, he had his times too. And he had his dream. And he couldn't even remember that dream. Anybody ever do that? He said, oh, I know I dreamed something last night, but I just can't remember what it was. But then, if that wasn't bad enough, he went to all his so-called wise men, the magicians and the the soothsayers and all these others, and said, listen, I had a dream last night. You need to tell me what it is or I'm going to have your neck. (laughs) And it's like, oh, my goodness. We can't can't tell you what your dream was. And somebody heard about Daniel, who was an interpreter of dreams. And at that point, he said, Nebuchadnezzar, give me a night. Give me till tomorrow. All right? Give me till tomorrow. And I'll come back and we'll take care of it. How would any of you been so bold? Hmm? Nebuchadnezzar said, whoever can't do it, they're dead. Tomorrow's it. That's it. But we see here that Daniel continued on with the three Hebrew children, the friends of his. And the Bible tells us they went and had a prayer meeting. Daniel left Nebuchadnezzar and went and saw them and said, hey, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's seek God's face. And by the next morning, Daniel had not only the interpretation, but he had the dream. Okay? And he went over there and he started telling Nebuchadnezzar uh, about uh, his dream and what had uh, taken place there. And this is what Nebuchadnezzar had had to say at this particular uh, point. And it said, But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days? All right. There was one other scripture just before that, though, where Nebuchadnezzar said, Daniel, the, uh, and I should have marked it down here, but anyways, uh, he said that your God is the God who knows and the one who can uh, uh, reveal these secrets. These were early days. These were early days. All right. And as we go back through here, we see, as a matter of fact, it's verse 47 here. It said, The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Look here in verse 48. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole providence of Babylon chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. 
And then Daniel requested of the king that he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew children, over the affairs of the providence of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Daniel was made second in charge. Isn't that amazing? Hmm? If God gives you the answer there, there's no reason why he can't also promote you, which is what he did right there. Okay? And so we see that Daniel was put over the providence. Now, as we go on through here, we're uh, getting back to the three Hebrew children and what took place, and I keep calling them that. But uh, as you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which was their Babylonian names. And chapter 3 tells us, and this is where I want to bring all this together, okay? The Nebuchadnezzar had set up an image of gold and said, worship him, worship him. Okay? And if you don't worship him, we're going to take you out. There's no uh, two ways about it. You're going to do what I told you to do. We see here that the faith that Daniel and his buddies here had was not a fad. It wasn't just something that came and went or whatever or something they were toying with or something they had learned, but they had learned to trust God and depend upon Him. Now, just... Over the last several weeks, we've been studying about Solomon's temple and all this. And you've got to realize this was about that same time because it was Nebuchadnezzar that went in there and during that captivity tore down Solomon's temple. Okay? So we see here that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel must have had a time there where they trusted God. They had seen God do the miraculous. They had seen things taking place. They had heard what the God of their fathers had done, and yet they trusted in Him. They had a faith, not a fad, not something that was just to come and to go. But like I said, in the early days, God had proved His faithfulness to Daniel and uh, all of this, and now and because of Daniel's faithfulness to him. Now, when we go back through here, and we start reading in uh, verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits, and the breadth thereof was six cubits. In other words, it was 90 feet tall and nine foot wide. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar, well, and uh, said, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the providence uh, to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And then all those same folks showed up, okay, where he had had the image set up. And then verse 4, it says, Then a herald cried aloud, To you it's commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And whosoever falleth not down and worship shall the same hour be cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Wow. What do you do? The day and age that we're living in, somebody say that to us, how many people would go and say, um, you know something, we really don't want to do this, but we're in, a, we're in a bind here, okay? We're between the rock and the hard place, and, uh, you know, I got things pretty good, and I don't want things to go bad here. <laughs> and, you know, I got a family I got to take care of, and I've got this and that and the other. But when it came down to disobeying God and worshiping other idols, they said, 
Sorry, that's it. Let's turn, uh, read on over in verse 17. Okay, they'd already said here that they were uh, going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. Even so much so, and just before I get to verse 17 here, I want to go back and said, you know, those people that you think are your friends aren't always your friends. <laughs> okay, and when it came down there and they'd blown the trumpet to begin with, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we ain't bowing. Now, I'm not sure exactly where Daniel was at this particular moment, okay, because he was second in charge, and it doesn't mention where he was. But he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not bow down at all. And then their buddies over there went running to the king and said, Hey, I thought you said everybody was supposed to bow down. What is this? Why? How, does, how do they get away from it? you got to remember, people knew them. Why? Because they were set over the affairs of the providence. Okay? It wasn't like they were back here in the shadows, just, you know, some person that uh, really didn't have any stat- status or anything else. But here they were, people that, of renown, people who knew uh, or people that everybody knew at that particular point. And so we go on here and we see that Nebuchadnezzar was mad, he was upset, and he said, go get them and bring them here. Go get them and bring them here. And he gave them one more chance and he said, hey, listen, when we sound all the instruments and everything else, bow down. There was no two ways about it. He wasn't saying, well, if you want to, you know, or why don't you go back over in the room here and hide yourself out. He said, no, you get over here and you're going to bow down at the very same time. But there was something else about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some people say, oh, it was reckless faith. It was just something that, you know, oh, they just stood up there and then they went, oops, here, what did we just do? No, not at all. They had a bold faith. They had a confidence that was there. So much so that when it came back in verse 16, it said that they said unto Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. And if, if it's going to happen, if this is really going to happen, like you said, oh, uh, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. That sounds good. That's straightforward. But you know something? Something else just came out of their mouth also. And it was this, but if not... Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Wow. In a day and age that we live in, sometimes we put God on the spot and we say, Okay, God, do this, and if you don't do it, I'm going to be mad and I won't serve you and I'm going to turn my back on you because, hey, I can't trust in you to do this or to do that. Not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, God, we trust you. We believe you no matter what takes place, no matter what happens, even if we go to the fiery furnace. Woo-hoo. How many of us would have said, you know something, that chopping block over there, you know, guillotine, whatever it may be, or that fiery furnace or whatever it is out there. I don't know if I'm quite ready for that. You know, what if it was to cost us our life? What if it was to cost us everything that we had? What if it was to cost us our family? Is it still worth it to serve God? Are you willing to make that type of a dedication or that type of commitment to God? Because that's exactly what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Okay? Another man made that same choice. 
<clears throat> his name was Daniel. And if you go over about the sixth chapter of Daniel, you'll find out that he was there. Boy, they was always getting picked on, wasn't they? You know, here was Daniel. He was over the providence. And here's all these others that was just under him, the three presidents, and I think there was 120 princes that was there. And here they were. Uh, they saw Daniel. They saw Daniel every morning and every noon and every evening, three times a day. He wasn't hiding out in a closet somewhere or behind a curtain or something like that. But the Bible tells us, that, <clears throat> excuse me, the Bible tells us that he flung open the shutters, okay? It was there. And he facing eastward, and he prayed three times a day to God. And I don't know that he was just, okay, Jesus, or okay, God, this is this and this is this. I'm not so sure he didn't pray out loud. All I know is it got the attention of all these others out here, so much so they said, we'll set him up. We'll set him up. And they go to King Darius, and they said, Darius, here, why don't you get uh, this paper? Why don't you sign this paper here? It says that nobody in this whole kingdom can pray to any other God but you for 30 days. Come on, Darius. And he said, well, that kind of sounds good. They, you know, hey, put me up on a pedestal for a little while here. Not remembering about Daniel that was over here. So much so that they came back around after he got it signed and said, hey, listen. Uh, there's a man named Daniel. You know Daniel. Uh, he's not doing that. He's still praying to his God out there every day. And not just once, three times a day. And I don't know how long it was. It could have been 20 minutes. It could have been 15 minutes. It could have been an hour, whatever it was. But he was still praying to his God, okay, to our God, the one that we serve. And when it came down to it, King Darius was the same way. He says, Daniel, I'm sorry, man. This is the way it is. But the, here it was. These people really were willing to put their life on the line for the God that they served. Okay? It's not a God that's just made up a figment of my imagination. It's not somebody that's way out here somewhere. But they had a personal experience with God. They knew who God was and what he can do and how he could take care of them. There wasn't no ifs, ands, and buts about it in, in their minds. Think about it. Do we have that kind of relationship to where uh, we could stand up even in the face of death and say, God, I still trust you. I still love you, no matter what it costs me, no matter if I have to go through the fiery furnace, no matter if I have to go through the chopping block, no matter what it may cost me, no matter what it may cost me, if it costs my job, if it costs whatever it may be, can you trust God? Can you trust God that much? Can you trust Him? Even when facing death, the last several weeks here, we've had several people that... Uh, that have passed on and those that are facing, you know, uh, troubles and, and situations and, and diseases and all these different things. And you know something, the majority of them that I can recall anyway have said, you know something, I trust God no matter what happens, no matter what happens. If it's my time to go, it's my time to go. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, it bears repeating you know, all our lives, ever since we've said yes to Jesus and asked him to come in our hearts and our lives, we've done one thing. We've tried to live 
a life that would be pleasing to him so that when our time came, we could go. I think the scripture calls it a reward. I think it calls it something that's out there that God has already taken care of for us. And Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And when we come to the end of the journey, all of a sudden it's like, uh, hmm, yeah, I want to go to heaven, but I I don't want to go on this trip. (laughs) And yet, think about it, folks. I think all of us are that way because we don't know what's on the other side over there. All right? But the Lord is there, and he's already prepared everything. But getting back to my sermon here, we're talking about it. The thing over in Daniel chapter uh, 3, verses 15, or verse 15, Nebuchadnezzar, I don't know, today I keep hearing this term, narcissist, narcissist. I've never heard that term so much in all my life. (laughs) And yet we see here about what uh, Nebuchadnezzar said. He said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you don't bow down, who's the God that's going to save you? Save you from my hand. Save you out of my hand. Nebuchadnezzar was a man just like you and me. Okay, He was human just like you and me. He was not God. And yet who was he almost shaking his fist at God and saying, hey, even you can't save them. If I have them thrown in there, that's it. The world that we live in today would kind of tend to tell you that, hey, you depend on me. You depend on me. You depend on this job. You depend on that. All these different things where God says, you can depend on me. I'm here. In the world, you're going to have tribulations. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I've already taken care of every situation you have. Anybody kind of been between a rock and a hard place before? You had no other place to go but God? Seems like that's where we end up versus going there first, okay? It's, we go back and say, like, I've already tied a knot in the rope and I've tried to hang on, but now my hands are slipping around the knot. Okay, this is it. But we see here that God is faithful. God is faithful. You say, Brother Gary, how in the world can you say that? I said, because I've been there. (laughs) I've been there too, okay? And God was faithful to see us through every situation, every situation, all right? So did it always turn out the way I expected? No. Did things come about the way that I wanted it to come about? No, not always. But God made everything come out for the good. Romans 8, 28. Remember that scripture? Huh? It says, for we know that all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. He loves us that much, folks. He loves us that much where he wants to take even the bad things and turn it around for good. But Brother Gary, you don't know what I had to go through and the struggles and the, the trials. and Oh, my goodness, I was just about ready to throw my hands up and say, this is it. But God came through. God came through. All right, as we go on through here, we see here that that's when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego kind of got holy boldness, so to speak, all right? And they said, hey, we trust our God to deliver us, but if he doesn't, it don't matter. We're still not worshiping your God. We're still not worshiping you and bowing down to this statue that you've made, all right? Even face to face with death, it was there. I wrote down here a little thing that says they had Faith that was greater than their fears. Faith that was greater than their fears. All right? 
faith that is greater than their fears. It was something that was there that they that was tangible. You know, the scripture says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You may not be able to see the end from the beginning. You may not know what's going to take place and where you're going to go and, and this sort of thing. You, you don't even know what the next step's going to be. My grandson's been trying to play chess, and I never could figure that thing out. <laughs> all these different little characters. Some of them can move to the side, and some of them can move forward and back, and all these different moves and so on. Sometimes we try to get figure God out just like you would a chess game. Okay, let me see here. If I do this, then God's going to do this and so on. Let me tell you, folks, he already knows which way to go and how to get you there and how he's going to take care of it. And maybe, just maybe, what may seem like a detour to you is a way that God can use you in a particular situation to reach somebody else and then he puts you back over here in track. I just thought I'd use you for a moment over here. <laughs> okay. And so as we go back here and we look, we see that God wasn't just letting Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be thrown in a fiery furnace. He had a reason for it. He had a reason for it. What was that? To prove to Nebuchadnezzar who he was. That he's the one on the throne. It's not some man down here that's pulling all the little strings and all like little marionettes and puppets and all that kind of stuff. But God himself is in charge. And if he wants something to happen, it's going to happen. And if he don't want it to happen, it won't happen. Okay? I believe it's over in Revelation chapter 3, I think verses 6 and 7, where it says God opens doors and no man can shut them. And he closes doors and no man can open them, okay? Because he's got it right then and there. As we go back through here and we look over in verse 22, and I may be jumping ahead of myself. I do that quite frequently. Anyways, we see here that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did get thrown in the fire, didn't they? Oh, Lord, what in the world? Why would you let us be thrown in this? And it's not just a regular furnace. They heated that thing up seven times hotter than it had been heated up normally. So much so that when the people went to throw them into the furnace, the guys that threw them in were killed. We think it's hot here, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Woo! During the daytime, oh my goodness, somebody turn on the air conditioner out here. Anyways, but here it was that those men that were throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there died. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that cotton and most ropes, you know, uh, I'm not talking about the, the nylon kind, but, you know, what do they make it out of, vines or whatever, I don't know. Anyway, that stuff tends to burn, don't it? Hmm? It'll catch fire. All these things. We're told that they went and they wrapped Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. And they still had their clothes on. And they threw them in the fire. But you know something? Once they got right there in the fire, and it don't say they waited 5 or 10 or 15 minutes or whatever, but when they were in there, all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar's eyes must have got that big because he said, whoa, hold it. We threw three men in there, and there's a fourth man in there, and all of them are walking around. They're talking like, hey, nothing's going on. 
That got Nebuchadnezzar's attention, didn't it? What if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had gone back and said, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we're so sorry. We'll bow down. We'll bow down. How would God have ever gotten the glory from that? Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, give us one more chance. Give us one more chance. Instead of saying, Be it known unto you, O king, we will not bow down. We will not bow down. No matter what the situation was, they were there. We see here that, uh, uh, like I said, it got Nebuchadnezzar's attention, didn't it? But when they did, Nebuchadnezzar said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come on out of there. Why didn't he call the fourth man? He didn't know who he was, but he said he's likened to a son of God. He said, hey, something's different. He didn't know about Jesus. But anyway, I have a feeling it was Jesus that was there walking around with them. All right? It don't matter whether you're in the water. I looked up his song the other day. It was, a, it was an old song, a chorus that we used to sing. Some through the water, some through the flood. Some through the fire, but all through the blood. Every one of us, we plan on making it to heaven. The only way we're going to make it there is through Jesus Christ. That's the way. And so we see here that it got out there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came on forth. And here they were right before Nebuchadnezzar, the same one who was daring them not to bow down. And all of a sudden, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he said, you guys don't even smell like you've been in the fire or in the smoke. You ain't, your clothes aren't even burnt. The only thing I know of that wasn't there was those cords that bound them. Okay? And in this life, when Jesus is there and we've prayed and we've been faithful to him, those things that may have you so bound up, whoo, what is it? That song that says, he breaks every fetter. Huh? He breaks every bondage, everything that is going on there. And he gives you liberty and peace and joy throughout all of this thing. We see that anybody ever got close, you know, you had a fire going, fireplace there, and you got too close, maybe your eyebrows got singed a little bit, your hair got singed a little bit, and nobody's ever done that, okay? And, <laughs> and you, whew, that stinks, okay? It don't smell good. Or you get around that campfire, and you come... <laughs> And it's a clean fire. Man, we use clean wood. We didn't have this old nasty stuff. We've got vines growing all over. It's clean wood. But you come out from there and you, whew, you smell like you smell like smoke. All right? And yet here it says that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out of the fire, their, their clothes wasn't burnt. They didn't smell like they had been in the smoke or in the fire or whatever. Their hair wasn't even singed. Everything was there. Nebuchadnezzar looked and said, the God that you serve. Wow. Something else. Let's look here. All right. And um, uh, verse 27 of chapter 3. And um, let me get flipped back over here. And it says, and the princes. I want you to see this here, okay. Um, Verse 27, and the princes and governors and captains and the king's counselors being gathered together, the very same ones that was out there, all those people that have been brought out there, all right, saw these men upon whom, whose body the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their heads singed, neither were their coats changed. In other words, there was no burns on them, okay, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. 
Wow. Isn't that just like God? Hmm. Remember Elijah at Mount Carmel? They didn't have just a small little number up there. But even in front of 400 prophets of Baal, God said, I'm going to prove who I am. Okay? Are we allowing God to prove himself through us? Are we? Will your faith carry you through? Do you have that kind of relationship with Jesus where no matter what may come, no matter what may go, he's there and you can trust in him. We go on here in this verse 27 and verse 28. It goes on and says in verse 28, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen to this. Who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word? In other words, he made, he made the king's words to no effect. It didn't matter what the king said. <laughs> Forget it, you know, that's it. But it said here he changed the king's words and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Wow. A change of mind, wasn't it? So much different those words were than what he had originally said. Okay? But this here in verse 29 is what brings it all together. I told you God was going to get the glory. God was going to get the glory in verse 29. says, therefore, this is Nebuchadnezzar speaking, therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what's going to happen to them? They're going to be let go, go back home, that's it. If they, if they speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they shall be cut into pieces and their houses shall be made... Uh, uh, a dump, okay, a dunghill, because there is, listen to this, there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Wow. What a change of heart. What a change of mind right then and there because he had seen this. And then verse 30, to add a little bit of ice into the cake here, okay, it says, then the king, what's that word? Promoted. He promoted them? After they had already defied him, they had already said, we ain't going to bow down to you or your idol or anything else, all of this. And because of that instance and how God had moved in their lives and because of their faithfulness to God, God had them promoted. Wow. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing, isn't it? All right. For there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Wow. Amazing, folks. Amazing. There was a couple other scriptures that I had written down here because it kind of went along with the same theme. Matthew chapter 9, verse 29. Jesus said uh, to the two blind men that was there that wanted healing, and they said, according to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith. Oh, my, Brother Gary, sometimes my faith is strong, and I feel like I could run through a troop and leap over a wall, you know, like David said. And then there's other times it's like, oh, man, I, I, I need an extra dose of faith. <laughs> okay? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes, no? You get that bad report, whether it be on the job or whether it be 
some instances, you know, there's different things, different ones of you have different jobs. Maybe it's a new decree they come down. Uh, all these different things. And you think, hey, I work here. I've got to abide by it. But let me tell you, if it's going against God's word, it's time to stand up. It's time to stand up, all right, and say, okay, I'm going to be counted. No matter what it may cost me, no matter what the situation is, I'm willing to stand up. And you know something? I'd venture to say that if you stand up, there'll be one or two others that would possibly stand up with you. And then there may be a few others that stand up with you. I say that my wife's a teacher and Sister Amy's a teacher back there and I don't know of anybody else that is. But I saw this guy this week and they had gone before the school board and the school board said, this is the way it's going to be. And you know something? This person got up and said, um, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Everything you're doing is going against God's word and, and everything else. And so, hey, you know something? I don't know what you guys are going to do, but we ain't doing what you just said. It ain't happening. And then all of a sudden, you know, there was a couple other people said, we agree with them. And some of the school board were saying, sit down, sit down, your time is up. And they said, no, I still got a few more minutes. <laughs> and so they went and you said, Brother Gary, that's kind of radical and that's kind of being, you know, just uh, obnoxious and all. It's not obnoxious when you're standing up for the Word of God. It's not obnoxious when you're standing for the Word of God. And if it's somebody that's come up to you and said, God has told me this is what I've got to do, and this is where you're wrong, and, and going by God's Word, maybe it's time to listen and go back and pray. You know that when the Assemblies of God was first coming together, and I think it was in 1913 or 14, and Brother Todd can probably uh, straighten me out on this. Anyway, it's in one of the books we had to study years ago that even the leadership could not come together. They, there were still some odds there. And you know what they ended up doing? And this is what I say for every one of us, okay? They said, you know what? Let's recess here. Let's take a break. And let's go pray. And let's pray about this matter, about this situation. And they said, you know something? They came back the next day after they had prayed and sought God, and there was a unity there. There was a unity. God had brought that thing together and gave them all the word that needed to be done, and that's when the assembly of God was formed, okay? So I'm here to tell you, everything in this world and in this life is not always rosy and easygoing and everything is fine. Sometimes there's tough times, and there's sometimes when we have to stand up and say, God, what do I do? What do I do? I trust in you. I believe in you. Which direction do I need to go in? What do I need to do? Okay? And yet that's for each and every one of us. <clears throat> will your faith carry you through? I hope it will. If not, it's time to say, Lord, I think I need to get a little bit closer to you. I think I need to know you a little bit better than what I do. All right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, every one of you in here can probably quote it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and, and in all thy ways, and he'll do what? Wait, oh, you mean if I just turn it all over to him, he'll work this thing out and he'll lead me in the right direction? Absolutely, 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 all right? One other scripture I wanted to use here tonight, and we were talking about sometime our faith being low. But folks, 
over in Jude verse 20, it tells us how to build ourselves up in the faith. And it says here, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Maybe you do need to take that time away and just say, Lord, it's me and you. And you just begin praying and seeking him. Lord, I need for you to build my faith. I don't understand this. I don't. And I'm so weak right now, and I don't know which way to go. And and Grandma is not here any longer. You know, Mom and Dad ain't here any longer. I need you, and I need strength. I need for you to build up my faith. If this is the way I'm supposed to go and what I'm supposed to do, Lord, let me know. Let me know. Say, Brother Gary, that sounds just so, you know, that's the word of God. That's what he told us to do. That's what he told us to do. All right? He said, you know what that is? That little grain of mustard seed. <laughs> Boy, I think that sure is small. You mean I don't have that much faith? And can I trust God for that? Can I trust God for that? Mm. And yet we should be able to. Praise God. There was another scripture that came to my mind while I was studying this over in Revelations chapter 12. And it sounded a lot like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There it was, but it said here, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, but they loved not their life unto death. Even if it uh, comes down to it, all right, are we going to trust God and dare to believe him? Praise God. Well, that's where we're at, folks. That was a story that we've heard time and time and time again and and known. But did we ever come to the point to say, okay, would we have that kind of faith if our life depended on it? Praise God. Let's all stand. I'm so glad tonight that the same God that they were serving then is the same God that we serve today. And the same way that he loved them back then and took care of them is the same way he'll take care of us today. You know, we sung that song a few minutes ago. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I've, what's that word? How I've proved him over and over. Wow, Jesus, Jesus. Can we call him precious? Can we call him the one that we depend upon, the one that we can count on no matter what? Amen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, tonight we just come before you, and we're so thankful that you've been faithful to us, even throughout the years. And, Lord, there's times when we've been up and down and so on, and even just like David, there's times when we've had troubles and situations. But, Lord, in the same way that you were faithful to all of these, even through the years, you've been faithful to us. And, Lord, when we turn to you, you've always been there. You've seen us through, and somehow or another you gave us peace when when we should have been in shambles and we should have been in turmoil and should have been on Prozac or whatever else it is that uh, that just keeps us from just freaking out. But, Lord, tonight I just pray that you'd make yourself real to us more than ever. Help us to know that in the same way that you've been with us before, you'll be with us all along the way. You promise never to leave us nor forsake us, never to abandon us, but to always be there. And, Lord, for tonight, I give you praise and glory and honor. I pray that you'd make yourself real to us in such a, a way, Lord, that there would be no doubts in any of our minds, Lord, even tonight. Lord, we know it's 2023, and there's a lot of voices out there, and there's a lot of things going on. But, Lord, we know that your voice is the one that counts. So, Lord, tonight, we just give you praise and glory and honor for it all. 
We thank you, Jesus.